2023 marks the beginning of the second decade of Agile FM. For the past 10 years, I've been releasing podcast episodes with a variety of speakers and topics to you, and I hope you enjoyed the ride so far. I don't know how many of you guys actually know the beginning of Agile FM and how it all started and why I started. The idea of a podcast actually started after a visit with Gene DeBaker in New York City, where we recorded, again, a audio segment for the New York City community. After the recording, she pointed out that this was a really interesting conversation and she really enjoyed it. And she thought, why am I only releasing this content to the New York City crowd and not on a world level as a podcast? So I began thinking about it, produce a podcast, and eventually it turned into Agile FM, something you hopefully enjoy today. So as a tribute to Gene DeBaker, which left us way too soon in 2016, I decided to re-release that original content from 2013 with her. And what's amazing after I re-listened to that audio segment with her is how much she already talked about organizational agility, somehow business agility, and some collaboration issues that are still valid today. So thank you, Gene, for, you know, helping me to get into the podcasting and, uh, you know, having me indirectly meet so many people on this podcast um, recordings. But uh, I also wanted to um, make sure that everybody out there knows how influential Gene DeBaker was in a variety of ways and how valid her books and content still are today in 23. So I hope you enjoy this one. And in memoriam, here is Gene DeBaker, Agile, New York City, 2013. Enjoy. I'm your host, Joe Krebs, and today I'm here with Gene DeBaker. Welcome to the podcast, Gene. Thank you so much, Joe. Gene, you are in town for a very special event to the Agile New York City uh, community. We're celebrating our fifth birthday uh, today, actually, here at Pace University in beautiful, sunny um, New York City today. So thank you, A, for coming to the podcast. And B, more important, is actually speaking tonight to the Agile New York City community. That's a, a, that's a wonderful thing for you to oh, do. Coming. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And um, I guess I could take a little bit of credit for the wonderful weather I brought from Colorado, too. So <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah, and to be part of the fifth anniversary Wow, what an honor. So seriously, thank you so much. This is great. Well, thank you. Uh, Jean, when I was, uh, when I was researching um, a little bit around your book, actually, in preparation for this podcast, I realized that uh, although we're turning five years, your book is older than five years. Yeah. You wrote your book prior to the creation of Agile New York City. Wow. And it's still up to date. Yeah, Can go ahead and make me timeless? feel old. No, no. <laughs> Should we say the book is timeless? It is, it's still valid. I mean, people still read it. It's still a topic of uh, conversation. It's not like a programming language has been outdated. Right. Uh, the book is still very relevant. It's collaboration explained. Right. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, um, about 2003, I think it was, and I'll be uh, talking about this in my talk this evening, but I'd like to uh, really bring it up now, so thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was approached by the executive editor of the Agile Software Development Series that was being run by Alistair Coburn and Jim Highsmith. And uh, he said, someone told me to talk to you. Well, that was a bit frightening right there. <clears throat> 
And he said, I gathered that you have a great passion around collaboration and specifically about how to facilitate collaboration. And I said, yes, because I believe in the human aspect of Agile. Mm. I read about it. Uh, and I don't see in the books clear guidance about how to bring about self-organization, mm -hmm. how to make sure all the voices are heard, and how you can gather the greatest pools of insight. And he said, well, then write a book about it. <laughs> and I said, I could do that, but I think these sorts of things are much better transferred in person. And he said, well, write the book. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to write the book because, very honestly, I didn't believe in it. Mm -hmm. I kept saying to him, but no one will read it. And he said, no. I believe in this book, and in fact, back to your point, Joe, he said, this is material I believe will live on, mm. in fact, beyond many of the other books. And he said, if it doesn't, I promise you, I'll work with you. I, I won't publish it if we really don't, don't believe in it. Uh, and shoot. It got it, published. It, it's, uh, it got published. It's gone beyond my wildest expectations. Right. I am blown away, truly humbled by the people who still come to me worldwide and say, thank you, thank you for this book. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I seriously never would have imagined. And the gentleman who uh, urged me to do this, uh, well, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's good to it's have somebody feeling. sometimes who is being persistent, right, and uh, yes. making you believe in uh, in in what you're doing. Yes, even it, though you might not be seeing it at that point, but uh, I did. Um, I um, I think you and I were talking earlier about our technical backgrounds, right. and I kept thinking, oh, my book really isn't technical. Is it going to? Uh, allow others to see that I have a technical background. Will it look like soft, fuzzy skills? And that was a part of the challenge for me as well, to publish the book. And it's, again, just humbling that it's been welcomed into the community as mm -hmm. it has. Well, the, the other part of your title, Collaboration Explained, is actually facilitation skills for software project leaders. Yes. So what I actually like about this, there are two aspects of it which are actually more important than ever in our Agile community, facilitation skills. and. In 2006, when, when it was published, you already talked about leadership. Yes, um, in fact, that's the first chapter of the book. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Yeah, the first chapter of the book is on servant leadership and, and what it takes. And there were people who had told me, well, first of all, get rid of that chapter. And I just wouldn't. Mm. I refused. Uh, I believe that as we not just inform the scrum masters and the agile coaches within our agile world that as we scale and have agile move outside development organizations we move out what i'll call the value stream that organizationally we have to invite the notion of servant leaders mm -hmm. and people who believe in the insights of the teams as they bring forth their visions mm -hmm. That, that was very important to me, and that's why I led the book off with that. Mm -hmm. So you have been doing this since 98. You're yes. in the Agile community. I'm one of the Agile grandmothers. <laughs> the Agile grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> since 98. Uh, there's also the word software in, in your book. If, uh, would that be a word we could almost now, like years later, 
almost eliminated like because so many people do agile outside of software development that yeah i think that at the time because my background was strictly software mm -hmm. um, i have a graduate degree in computer science Mine. and that's all i've ever known about the world and there's been this slow transformation of how i've gone from being analytical mm -hmm. to being more um, aware of the creative and humane side of how we create software mm -hmm. when the book first came out I remember I had a gentleman contact me six months to a year afterward and saying he was from New Zealand so right then and there again I was blown away wow my book was selling in New Zealand and he wrote to me to say why did you put the word software in this title <laughs> this book is not about software it's about how to help organizations mm -hmm. really be collaborative how mm -hmm. to facilitate collaboration I knew about that only in the software world mm -hmm. at the time and as I now look farther out and around me I yeah. see that and hear from people this really isn't just about software and thank you for helping software people understand the value of it <laughs> <laughs> why do you think it is that we have seen so many technologies come and go and the topic of collaboration facilitation is still very much acute I would actually say like it it's important, more important than ever. What do you think is this, why technology can't uh, solve specific problems in human behavior? We have all these tools out there. We're doing <laughs> Ruby now, and, but it seems like the projects are still not more successful from a, from a collaborations perspective. Do, do you agree or do you, do you think there has been done some progress? Lately? It's interesting. Originally, my target audience was for people who felt that more control would provide more success mm -hmm. in the software world and so I was trying to help command and control environments move to more collaborative environments mm -hmm. some stuff I've been reading lately interestingly enough is pushing back on the agile movement and saying no people need to be able to work on their own to be truly mm -hmm. creative and I've been responding to that in a couple of uh, posts here and there saying I all the more believe in facilitation mm. as a role because in this world where creativity needs to come both from the group the the team as well as the individual where mm. creativity comes from both spaces a, a really well-informed and well-seasoned facilitator is also sort of paid to be an observer mm. and to bring out the strengths of the team and the individual. Mm. So we raise the overall wisdom of the team mm. by individual contribution and by overall team contribution. I don't know if that really answers your question or not. Well, yeah, I've seen like teams, distributed teams primarily. There was like honestly zero collaboration. Uh, ah. They were assigning tickets to each other <laughs> yes. without talking and uh, that, that's not the collaboration you have in mind, right? No, it's not. And, and thank you for bringing that up. I've worked with a lot of distributed teams, teams distributed uh, within the same city, within the same, same state, within the same country, within the same continent, and then across three different continents. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the um, assumption is, well, we need to add more and more control. 
And I recognize that the, the scaffolding around these environments does require a bit more work than when the team is co-located. We mm -hmm. lose so much of the communication mm -hmm. and the implicit versus explicit communication flow. Mm -hmm. um, the, the tacit versus uh, tribal knowledge. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when I've been traveling in India and China and Texas, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Talk about three different cultures. Yeah. Um, it, what I have been doing is trying to help leaders in these types of environments understand good facilitation is all the more important. Mm -hmm because what I discovered that is that without good, strong facilitation in each of the remote areas or distributed areas, as well as across the distributed teams, we can't really be, uh, reap the benefits of Agile at mm -hmm. all. In fact, people will start to become very alienated and assume, frankly, sabotage by the other mm -hmm. people. The only when the only communication device you have is a ticket, um, it what? for some reason carries a little <laughs> a little seed of blame and shame with it. Yes, that's not the intent. But mm. boy, do I see shame and blame flying, you know, transcontinental. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's yeah, true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Well, you mentioned um, the agile. Uh, I don't know exactly what you say, Agile movement or Agile, uh, you want to push back uh, a little bit. Um, you're actually seeking a lot of advice outside of the Agile community. Um, in your talk tonight, tell me why the golden circle of Agile. Um. Uh, you, uh, you actually outline on our website, which is on uh, www.agilenyc.org, you actually say, Simon's, uh, you were very much influenced by uh, Simon Sinek, actually, by a TED Talk. Yes. So you are actually reaching out to totally other communities, tribes, uh, so forth, uh, for, for advice, and you map that to, to agility. Is that right? Yes. And I want to clarify, yeah, I, I wanna clarify mm -hmm. that I'm not pushing back on Agile. What I'm doing is um, I'm inviting in and pulling in more resources into my technical world than I ever would have imagined. Yes, thank you. So initially yeah. I was uh, proud and eager to read as many Agile books as I possibly could mm -hmm. and seek out the Agile speakers, um, go to Agile conferences. What I'm discovering is that over time for Agile adoptions to move into Agile transformations to move into organizational transformation I'm being pulled to seek new guidance. Back to the talk for this evening, tell me why in the golden, the, uh, golden circle of Agile. Mm -hmm. When I saw the TED talk by Simon Sinek, let's start with, I was watching TED talks. Mm -hmm. Would I have been doing that five years ago? No. Mm -hmm. Is Simon's talk about Agile? No. But I listened to it multiple times and took my own interpretations around it. They're not specifically what Simon says. Oh, that sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then I bought his book, uh, Start With Why. 
And it gives so much wonderful humanity underneath this thing called the golden circle of why, how, what. And I said to myself, that really speaks to me. Mm -hmm. And it, it um, falls in line with some other authors and their books that I've been looking at, again, to uh, broad the value mm -hmm. of Agile, to reap more benefits of mm -hmm. Agile. They're not Agile books. Uh, you do want to you want to share some with the Agile New York City community? What's on your bookshelf uh, right now? What are you What are you interested in? Actually, you know, uh, oddly enough, what's more, I, well, yes, I have a bookshelf full of books, <laughs> yeah. but um, okay, this is a little bit of a nod to the Kindle because mm. I love these books so much. I bought a Kindle so I could carry them with me wherever wow. I go. Wow. And, and frankly, seriously, I use a Kindle as my library. Mm. It's my reference library. Mm -hmm. So if you comb through what I have on there, you'll discover um, every one of these books. Um, I think that one of the biggest influences on me with regard to being a change agent and therefore someone who believes in agile transformation mm -hmm. has been Seth Godin. And admittedly, I haven't read all his books. But I would say this was a transformative book for me, and it's Lynchpin. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that I'm one. Mm -hmm. It blows me away. Okay. And I, it, he talks about uh, being prepared to bring your gifts and your artistry into your work. And I was thinking about how Agile asks so much of us and that our organizations deserve and should value our gifts and our artistry. I think Agile invites that, but it never really used those words. Mm -hmm. And he also says that we, with our sense of artistry, should be prepared to lean in, to mm -hmm. do hard things. And as we lean in, a true artist ships. Uh, there are a couple of other things he adds in with that, hmm. but uh, I'd have to pull out my library to tell you this. <laughs> uh, boy, have those meant a lot to me with regard to talking about Agile mm -hmm. and how we as individuals mm -hmm. work within an Agile transformation and how an organization should be inviting our artistry and our gifts um, should help us lean in and ship. Mm -hmm. uh, a book very similar to that uh, Daniel Pink's Drive mm -hmm. and that has a lot to do with how intrinsic motivation is far more compelling for individuals and teams than extrinsic rewards or um, extrinsic uh, punishment is too strong a term but you know, mm -hmm. if you don't get this done then you're in trouble so you have to go yeah. into this death Ramifications, mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wow, another uh, book I've been doing a lot, I've been going back to time and time again, uh, and in fact, excuse me, <clears throat> am, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm using it sort of my metaphor for the year is Dan Heath and Chip Heath's book, Switch. Mm -hmm. uh, again, nothing to do with Agile, right. but it has to do with uh, when we're prepared to preparing to be transformative mm -hmm. and they have three metaphors there which are uh, drive the rider so set a vision motivate the elephant mm -hmm. which is look into the emotions and the heart of what it takes to go through transformation mm -hmm. and then shape the path so ensure that that can occur
And again, I think about, wow, all these things I care passionately with regard to Agile, Agile teams, Agile organizations. Mm -hmm. I, I want to give these gifts to people about, I get how hard it is. Yeah. And we're worth, we're worthy of mm -hmm. what we can get out of that. And then a bit more like, technical. <laughs> yes, well, how do you, uh, by broadening that scope, by looking into other industries, what do you what do you think is going to happen to our community? Where would you like to see the agile community um, getting stronger, getting uh, or emphasizing certain topics? Is there anything based on what you're seeing around the agile community? I think I wouldn't be telling you anything new with this answer, but I'll give it to you. Oh, please give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> you can decide. Um, I believe the original agile movement had a wonderful focus on how to help development teams mm -hmm. deliver and how to protect them from the tyranny that tended to surround them, that held them hostage right. in some ways. What I'm hopeful about with regard to reading these new things and the way that I would invite them into Agile communities is that we are broadening Agile's scope and its focus and inviting and, and we're broadening both into the individual mm -hmm. value and our quality of life and we're broadening out to the organizational view mm -hmm. and organizational quality of life this is a hard sell mm -hmm. when I go talk to large organizations they'll still look at the bottom line and uh, the reading I've been doing is that the bottom line will take care of itself. Sounds pretty um, yeah. frou-frou, whatever. The bottom line will take care of itself when you really believe in the people. Right. Every one of these books says believe in the people, care in the people, and these other things will take care of themselves. I've also been reading uh, Don Heinerson. I'm sorry if I'm interrupting. No, sorry, that's but okay. I keep be... interrupting you, so no, we're no, even. <laughs> But that has to be true, right? Like a, a, a truthful, um, uh, you believe in your people. I mean, it has to be, it has to be done right from an organizational perspective. A lot of people say that. It's just like I believe, just take care of your. The bottom line takes care of itself. Yeah. Just focus on the customer, or others say just focus on your employees. Like whatever your viewpoint is, but some organizations try that and it's still not successful because they might not be really meaning it, but they're saying. Right. Yes. There's, I guess there's a hidden agenda. Yes. Yes. Um, again, thinking about some of the things I've been reading in the Agile um, Google groups, etc., mm -hmm. uh, and talking with organizations is I, I wonderfully I get paid to go talk with and listen to people. How did I get this lucky? Um, I hear that. Agile still puts them on death marches. It's mm. instead of just one death march at the end, now we have a death march every two weeks. Yeah, let's sign up for Agile. <laughs> and and they're under the Agile tyranny. Yeah. They're they're under some sort of tyranny of time box. Mm. It's like torture. Yeah. Every, every two weeks. And that was not the poked, intent. You know, yeah, that's that's not the intent. Yeah, right. and so 
as we're trying to do the right thing with Agile, I think it's valuable for us to look outside of mm -hmm. Agile and say, can we reinform ourselves of what the intent was and can we actually have it grow through mm -hmm. our nurturing of the intent mm -hmm. through, these, through these other guides? Mm -hmm. um, I, I do want to come back to something very, very uh, tiny, narrow topics is meetings. You said earlier we had focus we've created, we have created, uh, we are delivering software. Um, so we're doing all these good things with Agile, but I still observe and I just want to ask you, are, we sh are you sharing this? Badly, hardly, hardly any run meetings. Uh, meetings are hardly run any in, in any kind of shape, they run in an effective <laughs> way. Do you have any advice for the listeners out there? Well, how to, like one tip or something, how to run meetings a little bit more effective? Have because a highly effective facilitator. Okay. And sometimes I think people are looking at me and saying, well, Gene, <laughs> when you see everything is a nail, yeah, your hammer is the right <laughs> tool. I, I would like to use my company, Rally Software, as an example. This. Uh, coming August 1st, I'm celebrating my 8th anniversary with the company. Congratulations. Thank you. And I was the first consultant hired into the company. Mm -hmm. Here I was writing a book. I was hired in in 2004. I was writing a book on collaboration mm -hmm. and facilitation specifically. We were a very small group at the time. And I approached the CEO, Tim, and the founder, Ryan, and said, I think we could really benefit from having facilitated meetings. Mm -hmm. Agile has so many meetings. And they said, okay. Ceremonies. Yeah, ceremonies. <laughs> um, show us what you've got. Uh, eight, seven and a half years later, we do not have any major meetings without a facilitator. Oh, wow. We are an organization of facilitation. And this has not been through me pushing it on people. Mm -hmm. It has been through groups pulling it. Mm -hmm. This is not just the development teams. It's every department in the company. We have retrospectives. We have planning meetings. Awesome. And we now actually have a facilitators group and we check in with one another about what are you running into? What are mm. some more things you've been reading besides Jean's book? <laughs> <laughs> um, we truly believe now we are a facilitation-driven organization. Excellent. And when I can bring that message into other organizations, because they say, Agile is killing us, there are too many meetings then what I talk about with them is how effective are your meetings? Mm. What are you doing to ensure that they meet a purpose, right. that they don't go on for an ever and ever, that they don't suffer from what I call uh, LVDD. LVDD. Yeah, loudest voice driven development, <laughs> <laughs> loudest voice decision making, mm. you know, driven decisions. The, the facilitator is there to protect everyone and make sure everyone's heard and understood in mm. a safe environment. That, I believe, is truly critical to Agile. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think facilitation is, is a great and necessary tool right. in the Agile set of tools. Yeah. How do you see like, uh, social media like networks influencing the focus of today's meetings? Uh, do you think that's like with Twitter, with Facebook, with all these uh, technical capabilities of instant messaging? Do you think that has any influence negatively on, on an actual project? Well, what I can say is that um, 
uh, being the one of the grandmothers out there, <laughs> figuratively, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, initially, I put pushed back very hard on no electronics in meetings. Mm -hmm. What I've come to believe more valuable is our intentions in meetings mm -hmm. and how electronics service, service us. Again, I'll just use my own company, but I've seen it in other right. companies where we make agreements with one another at the start of a meeting. We declare our intentions and the use of electronics for instance, uh, recently we had a meeting where we wanted a colleague engaged, and so we just put her in Google Chat, <laughs> in video chat, and turned her around and sat her in a chair and made her part of our meeting. Mm. In almost every one of our conference rooms, we now have very large, high-def mm -hmm. uh, panel screens on the walls so that we can have people in the meetings. Mm -hmm. And people will also say, I need, electron I need to have my electronics on because I need to stay in IM. Um, part of it is so that we make decisions very quickly, mm -hmm. that we remove the waste of if someone's not in the meeting, mm -hmm. we bring in their information to make decisions more informed right. and faster than waiting okay. until outside the meeting. So the but group it's plays with to that. The meeting. Mm -hmm. So technology is, is related to the meeting itself, to the yes. agenda. It's not like... You know, I'm just chatting with somebody about something totally unrelated to the meeting. We yeah. have meetings that still suffer from that. Yeah. And we as facilitators are learning how to check in with people about mm. the agreements, the intentions, and mm. the norms. Mm. And I'll ask very specifically, who knows right now that they need to be in email? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, email. Forgot about well, it. Well, yeah, yeah, tell me that, yes, I, I have a burning issue that I need to be engaged in and right. therefore the rest of the group understands why that person's doing yes. email right. and the others aren't. Yeah. And we still struggle with that. Yeah. You said uh, uh, you started as a consultant with uh, Rally. Yes. But uh, your title now is Fellow. <laughs> and I'm, I'm uh, keen on finding out what a fellow does for Rally. Ah. Tell me a little bit about your day. What, um, you, what a, how does a typical day of Jean de Baker look like? What in Boulder, I, Colorado. In Boulder, beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, this is something of an emotional question and answer for me. I have loved my work as an Agile consultant. Uh, I have loved and continue to love working with Rally. It is the best job I've ever had in my 30 plus years mm -hmm. in the technology community. Well. As the first consultant, I help define what we would look like as consultants. One of the big things being we would be highly facilitated. Mm -hmm. When I moved into the role of Agile Fellow, the intention was, uh, this is going to sound a little self-serving, that I would travel less. Travel less? <laughs> travel less. Mm -hmm. But now you know something yeah. about that. Um, what, what has been so deeply rewarding to be Agile Fellow is that... I actually travel more mm. and it has to do with the fact that I read a lot more and I blog more and I work with different levels, higher levels in organizations and uh, 
how we came up with the word fellow was we brainstormed and said, we don't know what to call this. Let's just call it an Agile fellow for yeah. now. But it's not an untypical definition. I, I didn't yeah. want to be called yeah. an Agile thought leader. I yeah. thought that was pompous and, yeah. and uh, yeah, a bit assumptive. Okay. But I did want to be someone in the rally community and then in the community at large mm. that where I made an intention of I'm here to share ideas and bring in, as we talked about earlier, ideas that aren't even necessarily from Agile books. Mm -hmm. What do you do to uh, relax out there in Bodo? I do, I do try to get a, a feeling of, what is, are you a skier? Are you a skier? Oh, well, okay. I'm an extremely bad skier. Extremely uh, bad skier, but you're skiing? Yeah, yeah um, okay. I just went skiing a couple of weeks ago and suffered about five major bruises all over my body and knocked my noggin, my head, pretty badly. I've broken a leg skiing. Mm -hmm. uh, I've skied into a tree. Uh, I've, had, <laughs> I've had two uh, very badly sprained ankles. And then this two weeks ago, the worst bruises of my life. And I still get out there. It's so beautiful. Wow. I, it is you're so skier, beautiful. You're a skier in training. <laughs> yeah, right? it's a lifelong yeah, like, training. Like lifelong training. Like, uh, as we discussed earlier, we still feel like we're in graduate school. Yes. Right? And uh, you, you're still... I'll be in kindergarten uh, skiing for the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> and I do love the other thing about living in Boulder. I chose to live there... 12 years ago, it's a beautiful place. There mm -hmm. is a lot of entrepreneurship. Right. There is a lot of sense of uh, sustainability mm -hmm. and social impact and giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. And I've had the deep honor of being engaged with some of the social initiative clubs at the University of Colorado and um, also helping with some of the entrepreneur programs. I'm helping set up an Agile conference mm -hmm. at the um, university in September. That may not sound like leisure. Okay, hmm, mm, no. let's back off. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're passionate about your That's work, right. it bleeds back and forth. Right. It really does. It's blurry, you know, it's like, what weekday is it? And you, you realize, oh, I work on Saturdays, but you don't feel it. Um, I am trying to move away from so much of my reading feeding into my passion about work. And actually this summer, um, part of the rally uh, program for having been at the company seven years, I'll be celebrating mm -hmm. my eighth anniversary, we get six weeks of sabbatical. So I'm intending to truly take six weeks completely away from my passion around Agile. Um, will that be New York? <laughs> It's going, it's going to be in an undisclosed location in France okay. for four weeks of uh, intense language immersion. Oh, wow. And I have reasons for doing that, which go back to Seth Godin and my need to lean in mm -hmm. and ship. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jean. Thank you for your time here. Oh, it's been a delight. Prior to your talk, I just want to... Uh, uh, highlight that one more time. Tell me why they go in circle of agile. We're gonna hear uh, your talk later uh, at uh, Pace University at our fifth anniversary. Yay. It's not a lot, yay, but it's five <laughs> years and it's a good moment for us to reflect and we're happy to have an amazing speaker like you on stage. Um, and not only on stage, but also um, on the ground actually where we have food, 
drinks. I hope you can stay for some drinks. That's a hobby. That's a hobby. Food right? and drinks, food yeah. And drinks. <laughs> and music. Food, food and drinks, music. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, those are honestly, hobbies. So uh, we have a good time. Thank you again. Well, and I'll tell you that I, again. Thank you so much, and thank you for inviting my topic about um, tell me why. That mm -hmm. is a passion of mine. I don't think I understood it back when I was an agile neophyte and learning just how to work within teams. I now look at how passion drives us mm -hmm. and should drive the organization. And um, as Simon Sinek would say, would say, start with why, and that's start with your passion and your vision. That's what I'll be talking about this evening. Thank you, Jean. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.